we normally pray. Do I have somebody who would like to pray to open our service today? I, I'm just taking a chance. You want to you do that? Why don't we do this? Let's, uh, this is just off the cuff. I'm flowing with the Spirit, Mike. Flowing with the Spirit here. Uh, let's just have a, 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 a time where we just open this up. And if anybody feels so inclined to say something in prayer, and when I sense a lull in the moment, then I'll close this out. Okay? Fair enough? Very good. Let's pray together. Do you want to kick us off? Jesus, thank you for this morning, Lord. We just thank you so much for everything you've given us, Lord, today. Lord, we're thankful for family. We're thankful for our church. Lord, we're thankful for this country, Lord. We just pray for, for all of it, Lord. We want to pray this morning for Pastor Jimmy's message, Lord. Anybody out there that's needing to hear a certain message this morning, Lord, I just pray that you speak to them, Lord. I pray for our family, Lord, that we play music for them, Lord, that they, they just get into it with us, Lord, and realize that we have the freedom that some people don't have and to lift our voices to you, Lord. <coughs> to read scripture, Lord. We just pray that we realize that and we take full advantage of it, Lord, because it truly is a blessing, Lord. We just pray for all our family and our friends, Lord. In your son's name, amen. Father God, we thank you for this day that you've given us. Be here amongst your creation and all, and all the people, Lord, that you've created here. <coughs> be here in fellowship together, worship you, lift our voices and praise to you. Lord, we thank you for the safety that you provided for for a while now, two weeks in our travels. Lord, we thank you for the, the great things that we've seen and the experiences that we had. And Lord, we pray for pray for this church. Pray that we will continue to do things, make decisions that's pleasing in, in your sight, Lord. And Lord, we pray for any help that we may get come up with the resources to finish our building. Precious sunset. The Father, as the Holy Spirit flows through this house today, Lord, we just thank you and lift your name on high. Amen. Lord, we worship you. We bow before you. Your mighty, mighty presence is requested all the time, Lord. That you be with us, continue to guide us, strengthen us, give us your wisdom, your power, your and all for your glory, Lord. None for us, just for you, Lord. For you are the true one to be worshipped, glorified, and honored. And we thank you for that privilege, Lord. We thank you for adopting us into your household, Lord, the true family of God, Lord, we love you and we praise you this day. 
Thank you for the heart of children, Lord, that in prayers. Uh, we sometimes often overlook that, but uh, they have their eye on you as well, Lord. So we thank you for that, Lord. And we, it, no matter how large, how small the prayers, Lord, thank you for our children. I'm thankful for this room full of people, that whatever was going on this morning, each one of us felt the need, felt the calling, the stirring in our hearts to get dressed, to get up, to get in the car, and to come here. And I think all of us are hoping, wondering, praying for a touch from you today. We might see something, that we might be changed in some way, that we might walk away from this worship hour changed as a different people. I mean, we come in faith knowing that you're here and you're with us everywhere, always, all the time, but I think that your people have been gathering week in and week out for thousands of years always in the hope that they might glimpse you. And so we pray for that glimpse today. I've already seen it in the faces of these people, the hands that I've shook, the, the necks that I've hugged, the conversations that I've had. I, I've seen it this week as the rain finally came and temperatures began to cool down and things began to green up a little bit. Thank you. We see your thumbprint everywhere we go if we have eyes to see. But we want to see it anew today. We want to experience it. We want it to move from head to heart. The difference between knowing you and knowing you. We want to know you today. Please remove any sin that would hinder that from happening, any fleeting thought, wandering thought about the past or the future, may we be present in the now, in this place, right here, right now. We are fully yours. We love you and thank you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So our text today comes from Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 35. You can follow along on the screen and listen now for a word from the Lord. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. 
For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. to highlight a practice called Centering Prayer. It's a way of carving out a few minutes of a holy experience in the midst of a busy day. You can begin Centering Prayer in thinking about it kind of like a guided meditation, except we're not just thinking inward, we're, we're looking inward and upward. And as you start Centering Prayer, you're going to choose a special sacred word for you, something like God or holy or love or mercy and find your own fortress of solitude that could be your car and go ahead and get comfortable. You want to plant your feet firmly on the ground and close your eyes and begin to repeat your sacred word to yourself. Letting that word be your guide for the next several minutes. You can start with whatever's comfortable but we're shooting for about 20 minutes. You're going to feel your mind wander through that time. That's okay. Just come back to that sacred word, repeating it over and over again, keeping your heart and mind open even as your eyes are closed. You're going to find a sense of refreshment in doing this, a, a sense of centeredness as well. Share how this experience goes for you in the comments and watch out in the coming weeks for more ways that we're going to be offering how you can slow down and plug in. Uh, but we'll be talking more about what we just saw there in just a bit. Let's pray together. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. May we see you in this moment. May we see ourselves as we are in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking about forgiveness today. One of those topics, forgiveness how would you define forgiveness if you had to give a definition? Oh, this is rhetorical. You don't have to say it out loud. But I looked it up. The Oxford Dictionary says, uh, Forgiveness is to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense, flaw, or mistake. Or it can also mean to cancel a debt. Kind of in, like in the story that we heard. A debt was owed, actual money was owed, and it was forgiven. So the, the debt was canceled. 
It's really interesting, though. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the Greek uh, that gets translated into forgiveness in the English. And the Greek word has actually a much deeper meaning than what we might think. But I, I want to back up just a little bit and put this in context, what we're talking about today, because this is part of an extended uh, thing that Jesus has been talking about. Right before this section, uh, Jesus has given a model to the disciples on how they ought to restore a member of the church who has fallen into sin. So if somebody in the community has fallen into sin openly, Jesus lays out this three-step process to restore them back into good health, into good standing in the church. And it's this teaching that prompts Peter to ask a question. God loved Peter. Why does he always open his mouth? Why is he always stepping out of boats and doing stuff? Peter, 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 Peter. He asks a question. He says, by the way, Jesus, talking about sin, if somebody sins against me personally, how many times should I forgive them? Seven times? Now, the rabbis will tell you in, in rabbinical teaching, three to four times is enough. So Peter thinks he's like really doing good here. I know the rabbis say four. Is seven enough? And of course, Jesus comes back and says, how about 77 times? Some translations actually say 70 times 7, which would be 490 times. Perhaps the point Jesus is trying to make is there is no limit. You do it as much as is necessary. So what is this Greek word then in the Bible that gets translated to forgive? This thing that Peter is asking about, how many times he should do this thing. Well, the Greek word is aphiami. Everybody say aphiami. Very good. Aphiami. Um, aphiami means lots of different things in the Bible. Uh, now, Legend, you can pull up this, this screen here, this slide. I just wanted to give you a taste of the ways in which aphiami is translated in the Scriptures. This is all from the Gospel of John. Uh, so, John 12, 7. So, Jesus said, Aphiami, her alone, she has kept it for the day of my burial. John 14, I will not aphiami you as orphans, I will come to you. Uh, peace I aphiami with you, my peace I give you, I do not give it as the world gives. Uh, I came from the Father and entered into the world, but in turn I am aphiaming the world and going back to the Father. Look, a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each one to your own home, and I will be a fiamid alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Uh, Jesus replied, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, a fiamid, these other men, the disciples. He's talking about in the garden. And then, of course, John 20. If you a anyone's sins, they are a fiamid. If you retain their sins, they are retained. You get the sense here that overwhelmingly in the Bible, Aphiami is translated as leave alone, let it go, abandon it. Uh, sometimes, even in when, when Jesus is talking about divorce, when a man aphiamis his wife, abandons her, leaves her alone, uh, puts her away, it's only occasionally that this gets translated as forgive. But you can see already this begins to expand our concept of what the Bible means by aphiami. 
It's not just uh, forgiveness. It's something bigger. I, I immediately thought of the story in the Gospel of John. You probably know it. When Jesus is kind of sitting around and the Pharisees bring a woman that was caught in the act of adultery. You remember that story? And they've all got stones. They're ready to throw stones at her. And they say, hey, Jesus, you know what the law says. If someone gets caught in adultery, we're, we're supposed to hit them with rocks until they're dead. Now, where the guy was, I don't know. She was caught in the act of adultery, but only the woman got brought. I don't understand that. But anyway, so Jesus, super smart, says, hey, tell you what. The, the person who has no sin in their life be the first one to drop the stone. And what do they do? They afia me the rocks. They literally drop the rocks, and they turn around, and one by one, they begin to walk away. Which tells me that afia me, in this sense, is uh, to abandon your perceived right to police another person's morality. Right? She's done wrong. We are standing in the place of the cosmic justice here. We're going we're gonna to go ahead and do this thing. And Jesus, through his brilliance, causes them to afia me, to abandon that thing that they were about ready to do. And so, from a biblical perspective, afia me, to forgive, is really to, uh, to abandon someone's sins and to leave that to God. Now, here's the funny thing in that story. God in Jesus, Jesus who shows us what God is like, after they're all gone, he says, guess what? I'm not holding anything against you either. Go on your way and don't do this anymore. <laughs> Isn't that great? But me in the biblical sense, is to abandon someone's sins against you and let God handle it. So it's, it, it's much more than just giving up anger or resentment towards someone, as the Oxford Dictionary says. It is to leave someone's sins alone. You can acknowledge the sin, but you leave it alone. No retaliation, no making it even, not designating yourself as the, 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 the police man or police woman of justice on the planet for God. Not letting it fester, just letting it go. Just letting it go. Jesus finishes his, uh, his parable that he kind of lays out this, this idea of a fiami, of forgiveness. And he tells Peter, you know, the Father will not abandon your sins if you refuse to abandon your brother or sister. Now, the story itself is, as I was reading that, it's always difficult with parables. Uh, because there's not always a one-to-one -one correlation. Uh, if God is like this king who has slaves, is willing to torture them, uh, to throw their entire families into jail, well then, I don't know that that's a God I want to serve. That, that gets a little tricky there. But I think the point that Jesus is trying to make in the parable itself is that your willingness to abandon your brother or sister's sins directly affects God's ability to abandon your own. It almost seems as if you've got to make space in your life to receive what God wants to give to you. But if you are unwilling to let that go, then your hands are clenched around something and God's hands are tied in that moment. That's what I get from that parable. But it behooves us, Jesus tells us, 
It is important to figure out whatever you got to do to know how to let go of someone else's sins against you and let God handle it. It behooves you to figure that out because it's directly tied to your ability to receive God's afiemi of your sins. But gosh, I don't have to tell you all, that's a hard thing to do. You're probably sitting here, as I was this week, thinking about all the times in my life that somebody that I loved deeply or somebody that I looked up to or someone that I cared for did something that hurt me deeply. Somebody sinned against me, and my mind immediately goes to a dark place. How can I make them hurt like I am hurting? How can I show them the way that I feel? What can I do to get back at them? That's the first place my mind goes every single time. And I think about all the the wasted weeks of my life that have been consumed with these dark thoughts in which I'm turned inward. I'm focused on working stuff out. Man, how can I throw a stone at them and get away with it? And then I find that this this dark inward turning begins to spill out into my outward life, and I find that I'm short-tempered with people that have nothing to do with the situation, or I act out in ways that hurt other people, and I don't even intend to do that. This is what not abandoning someone else's sins against us. This, This is what it does. This is what it does. But it's a hard thing. It's not as easy as just dropping a rock as they did in the story with the woman caught in adultery. So how do we let it go? How do we let it go? What is the secret to taking Jesus at his word here. Well, I came across a story I'd never heard of before. I thought I would show a video about a woman in Pennsylvania named Terry Roberts who has a clue as to how we might begin to afia me sins against us. Take a look at this video. It's been seven years since Terry Roberts' life changed forever. In October 2006, her 32-year-old son, Charlie, walked into an Amish school in Lancaster County and shot 10 young girls before killing himself. I heard the sirens and saw helicopters. Then the phone was ringing and it was my husband. And he said, I need you to come to Charlie's house right away. And I got out of the car and I looked at my husband and these sunken eyes just saying, it was Charlie. That could not be. Yet it truly was. It was true. It was our son. Robert's initial reaction was that she had to move away. But the Amish came to her house the night of the shooting to say they wanted her to stay. Some of the victim's families attended her son's funeral. There are not words to describe how that made us feel that day. And then for the mother and father, that had lost not just one, but two daughters at the hand of our son to come up and be the first ones to greet us. Wow, is there anything in this life we shouldn't forgive? Terry Roberts now shares this message with those who've experienced trauma. And every Thursday, she cares for the most seriously wounded survivor of the shooting, 
now 13. It's against Amish beliefs to appear on camera, so Donald Craighill often speaks on their behalf. You have this mother who raised a son that did this horrific damage to this young woman. And the mother has the courage and the spiritual fortitude to come back and to care for this uh, young woman. And the parents of the young woman welcome her into their home. It's a powerful, powerful story. Those families in Newtown who may still have understandably conflicted feelings now still less than a year later, what do you, what do you say to them? Ask God to provide new things in your lives, new things to focus on. And that doesn't take the place of what is lost. But it can give us a hope and a future. A future made possible for Terry Roberts because of forgiveness. Jeff Glor, CBS News, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. That, that happened back in 2006. The Amish people know how to afia me. Can you imagine? It, it wasn't just her house that they went to. Their son was also married with children. They went to the widow's house and said, look, we want to care for you and your family. They set up a trust fund so that his children could make sure they go to college. They knew they were going to grow up without a father, and this stigma, this thing that the dad had done in their lives was going to be hanging over them. They went to the funeral of the guy who shot their kids to support the family. That's a fiamy, right? And so then, so then this mom's life was changed because of the fiamy that was dropped, that was left alone, this stigma that was just left alone, changed her world. And so when he asked, what, what do you think? For those in the community that think that these Amish people are just crazy because they are still mad as, as a hornet's nest at what had happened, what do you say to them? And she says, ask God for new things to focus on. Ask God to give you something new to think about. Not to take away the loss. Not to take away what was lost in all of this. But so that something bright can come out of it. So that you might find a hope. Something to lean on and to look forward to into the future. This all came about because the Amish people, who are the ones that were sinned against in a way that I cannot even imagine, knew the art of a theomy, of dropping their right to get back, to get even, to make, let it make them bitter. They found a focus. What was the focus? What was the thing that drove them so that they could drop the offense? It was the family of the guy who sinned against them, his children his widow, his parents, and they went the night of the shooting, the night of the shooting, doesn't even compute with me, to their house to say, we don't want you to leave the community. Please do not pack up your stuff and go. Please stay. Let's make something bright out of this. Oh, my gosh. St. Paul gives us another clue in Philippians chapter 2 on how we might afia me. 
Philippians chapter 2, it's a wonderful passage. Paul is encouraging the, the church at Philippi. He says, you need to consider others better than yourselves. And you need to do this by taking on the mind of Christ. And then he says, I want you to consider the mind of Christ. Christ emptied himself. It's the Greek word kenosis. Everybody say kenosis. That is the Greek word for self-emptying. Paul said Jesus emptied himself of self and took on the role of servant, even though he did not have to. Kenosis. Now, kenosis, there's many different ways that we can talk about that, but one of the reasons that I showed you the, the, the bumper video on centering prayers, because I want to offer you this other way of figuring out how to afia me. It's called centering prayer or the prayer of silence. When we think of prayer, when we had our prayer walk the other night, typically what we conjure up in our brains is that we put together a list of things and we, we say these out loud, maybe multiple times. Maybe we go out on the golf course and we pray these out into the heavens. Sometimes we think of prayer as sitting and listening for what God wants to say to us because prayer is a two-way dialogue, what we want to say and receiving back from God. But there's another kind of prayer, the prayer of silence. I don't know if the Amish practice this, but the Quakers definitely do. The prayer of silence. This is just the process of sitting silently in the presence of God, who the Bible tells us dwells in us and around us. Or as Paul says, the Father who is above all and in all and through all. Sitting silently in that presence. And he gave us a little rundown of how to do that. You carve out 20 minutes of your day. Just find 20 minutes where you can get alone, where you can sit silently, where you can be quiet. And you find a sacred word, love, God, Jesus, forgiveness, whatever that sacred word is to you. And then you begin to let your mind get quiet. And if you find that your mind is wandering, you say your sacred word to bring it back into the center. Now, i got to tell you, this is a tough thing because here's, here's one of the ways my mind wants to go is I'm practicing centering prayer. Either it wants to wander onto the, oh, what have I got to do after this? Man, after my 20 minutes are up, i got to go to Walmart and i got to go pay a bill. Oh, centering, centering word, say the, say the word. Or the other way is I want to fall asleep. Oh, it's so quiet in here. It's so lovely. And then before long, you're asleep. It takes practice to find that middle space. But if you can quiet your mind, if you can sit silently in the presence of God, it's crazy. What you find is that what you want to do in any given moment, that begins to fade away. And it gives itself over to the mind of Christ, to what God wants for you and a calm peace starts to take over you. Now we're going to play a video legend. 
This is a little uh, hodgepodge of testimonies from people who have practiced centering prayer. It's hard to relax and, and rest. To sit still, be quiet, listen to God. We live in a very fast world right now. My head is full of thoughts. The mind is always busy. It's hard to relax and, and rest. We need to sit still, be quiet, listen to God. Centering prayer is to further the movement into resting in God, interior silence. Be still and know I'm God. Twice a day for 20 minutes, enter into this prayer. We just show up and God does the rest. We allow God to transform us. Letting go leaves room for new life. Centering prayer gave me an actual experience of the divine love. It is an open, loving of God. It becomes more heartfulness than mindfulness. For me, it brings back the wonder of life. I am more honest and humble, more patient. Increasingly more peaceful. And it has um, deepened my trust. I become able to accept others as they are. I'm a much better physician. Everything about my being is just able to see new things, new aspects of unpleasant situations that I wouldn't, I would have just ran away from before. In couples counseling, if couples start doing centering prayer together, it's amazing. Contemplative Outreach has nursed me with materials, topics, people, conferences, retreats. It provides the how-to with the website I'm aware of the practitioners all over this world. It gives us a global community. that found a new home. Open to all religions and all faiths. No one is excluded. It has um, created a still, quiet place deep inside. To start the day thinking of God uh, frames the day. It has become a way of life for me. I can miss my vitamins in the morning, but if I miss my prayer in the morning, it's a difficult day. Let me tell you how it really has helped me when I get behind the wheel of an automobile. People notice that you've changed. You know, you're more peaceful. There's something different about you, and they ask. Invitarnos a cambiarnos cada uno, y así podremos todos juntos lograr el cambio en el mundo que todos anhelamos y esperamos. It could really transform the heart of the world. Centering prayer literally is the prayer of a fiamin. It is the prayer of letting everything go and just dwelling with God. And it is amazing. It is the prayer of forgiving yourself of needing to be in control and doing whatever it is you think you need to do in those moments. I love the guy that said, centering prayer helps me get behind the wheel and, and drive in traffic. Right? That's great. And so I'm going to encourage you this week, if you've never done it before, uh, to set aside 20 minutes and to sit quietly. And if your mind begins to wander and think about the things that you need to do or the things that you should have done, I want you to say your sacred word and bring it back into focus. And if you find that you begin to get sleepy and you fall asleep, that's okay. Right? This isn't about saying you're, you're, you're good at centering prayer or you're bad. It's just attempting to find a few minutes 
to sit still and be in the presence of God. And I'm telling you, kenosis, self-emptying, leads to a theony. It leads to a lot of other things. It brings peace, but a theony is what we're talking about here. So I'm giving you a couple different ways. It's still hard, folks. Learning to forgive, especially when somebody has sinned against you, hard, hard, hard thing to do. But I've given you a positive and a negative. Find a new focus. Ask God for a new focus. Give me something else to turn my attention to and to put all my efforts and energies in. And as I work toward that, help me to let go of the sin against me. The negative, help me just to be still and be quiet. Help me just to sit in your presence until my need to react is gone. Two tools for you. We're wrapping up this series called Beginning the Journey. And I like the fact that, that the text brought us into this place because as we reevaluate our journey with Jesus, our, our faith walk, as we come back to it and reevaluate, what better place to start than forgiveness? Because this is something that we all experience all the time. People hurt us, it's just the way the world works. People sin against us. Some are great offenses. Some are minor. But if we can begin here with this idea of a me and learn how to let go, it's going to make the rest of the journey so much easier. And so my prayer for you all, my prayer for us this week, is that when you find yourself reaching down to pick up that rock, to say, I have the right now to begin hurling rocks, that instead something in your mind will click. Wait a minute, wait a minute. That may be so, that may be true. But let's see if there's another way here. That's my prayer for us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll grab the hand of the person next to you. Let's form a big chain across this place because we are all connected whether we know it or not. Now you're connected by the feast, the table of Christ, literally. Will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved. You could spend your life figuring out what it means to be perfectly loved, but you're perfectly loved. You're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. Guess what, folks? You're going to make some mistakes this week. But no matter what we do or don't do, God's love for us is never affected because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in the very nature of God. According to 1 John, God is love. So that when He looks at us, by His amazing grace, He says, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. And if you could believe that, walking out these doors today, that alone has the power to change everything. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Pray that you take that good word and go from this place in peace.